Hello, hello, my name is Michael, and I welcome you to What's Your Career, where careers are examined one at a time. Adam Durfee is my guest today. Adam is determined that he has the best job in the world. He is a digital marketer for an ad agency called Boncom, which focuses on advertising for cause-related industries such as suicide prevention. Adam thoroughly explains the process for companies to hire an ad agency to run a campaign for months to years at a time. Not only is Adam storyboarding for new ad projects, but he is also behind the camera, working with billboard contractors, and even appears on camera from time to time. Adam wears many hats and works on many projects for many different clients, which keeps his creative juices flowing and his passion for work high. Without further ado, Adam Durfee. Adam Durfee, it's great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I am great, Michael. Thanks for uh, inviting me on and, and giving me a chance to talk. I like doing that. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I appreciate you being with me. So tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Well, uh, as you said, my name's Adam. So uh, that's that's good enough for, for most references. Um, I am a, uh, a 10-year digital marketing professional. I really enjoy um, sports. I love Broadway musicals. And I like being outside, typically in organized sport fashion. You know, people used to ask, like, what do you like, the, the mountains or the beach? I used to say I prefer the field. Um, oh, yeah. So I like, I, li- I like playing, you know, football, soccer, softball, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's what I do in my, my spare time. I really enjoy getting opportunities to go running as well or as I said, out to New York to, to see shows when I can. Awesome. Thanks for that. So you mentioned your job is a digital marketing professional. Is that your official job title? Uh, the titles adjust a little bit, and everybody probably listening to this understands that. Uh, depending on where you are, what the exact uh, day-to-day responsibilities are, um, my current job title is Director of Online Content. But those are just okay. fancy syllables that really show that I work mainly in the digital marketing space. I oversee teams in social media, influencer marketing, search engine optimization, um, uh, and content marketing. Okay. Great. So who do you currently work for? Or who I is work, your employer? Yeah. Yeah. I work for an ad agency in Salt Lake City called Boncom. B-O-N-C-O-M. Okay. Boncom. I have never heard of that company and we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Um, so at your current job, uh, how long have you been there? So this is probably a, a change from most of what you hear. I've actually been officially full-time with this job only about three months. Oh, wow. Okay, three months. And how long have you been in the industry, I guess? Um, Ten years in the industry. Uh, familiar with Verboncom for, for quite some time. Um, the adjustment there, and we can get into that story. That's the story that, that people want to hear. I came a lot more recently just due to um, some other circumstances and some desire on my part to get in with the company. But I've been doing the same job role for, yeah, about 10 years now. Wow. Okay. All right. And how would you rate your job function? So what you actually have to do for work on a day-to-day basis from one to 10. One would be terrible and 10 would be your dream job. Listen, I... Anything that that you have to do all day, every day, you could find reasons to dislike, I suppose. But there's no question. I've got a I've got a, a ten job. Like this is, <laughs> and, I, and I understand that people probably like to say that a lot. Or they're worried that my boss listening. What are they expecting me to say? But 
But the truth <laughs> of it is I, I work in the greatest um, industry in the world. Uh, I, I think advertising is so much fun. You wake up every day. It's exciting to do things. You get to create. You get to uh, deal with intelligent, talented people all day. But the bigger thing for me and the reason I moved to this job is, uh, you know, I spent the last 10 years doing advertising for really interesting companies, right? I've worked for uh, Disney Feature Films, Subaru, Marriott, HGTV, the NBA. Uh, I was Mountain, I uh, did work at Mountain Dew for a while. It's so, like lots of really interesting stuff like that. But after doing that for long enough, you get to a point too where you say, you know, I'd like to make the world a little bit better if I could, if I had that opportunity. And in most industries, you don't get to do that. Uh, Boncom's an ad agency that only works with nonprofit and cause-related marketing. So all of a sudden, I went from uh, working for launching Spider-Man movies and selling cars to people to working for the Special Olympics or working for the Smithsonian or suicide prevention. And all of a sudden, those campaigns take these skills you've got and they make them so much more interesting. That just adds that last one or two points to the scale you just gave. Is, is how do you get that 10 out of 10 job? It's because you get paid in a great industry with great people and a great organization. And the world gets to be a little bit better because you showed up to work. Hey, that's a great message. I really appreciate that. And I want I have so many questions on that too. That Anyway, we'll get into all those details, but um, very inspiring. Um, so does that also mean that you are a 10 out of 10 on the happiness scale with your job? Or yeah. are, there, are there some things about your job or people that you work with that maybe lower that number a bit? Listen, once again, this always comes down to, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Um, I would say this is an industry people are looking in. You, you tend to work longer hours than maybe some other nine to five type of jobs. So I would say it's a 10 out of 10 happiness, but I will put caveats on that for a general audience to say that that's because expectations are where they are, right? This is exceeding my expectations for any sort of advertising type career. But if you walk in here from a job where you're used to only working Monday to Friday or never on weekends or never late nights or never that sort of thing, then you might say, wow, this job would not make me happy. So, so I, it's under, I guess it's important for me to people to understand that for me, it's 10 out of 10 because 10 years into this, I understand full well everything that comes with this type of responsibility and feel like the current place I'm employed far, far exceeds that and meets every, uh, really exceeds every expectation I would have for this type of role in this type of industry. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's also a very important note is that the, the happiness is based on expectations. Right. And that's everything in life. That's not just your job, but it's also your relationships. If your expectations are met, then you're going to be happy. And if you have these, you know, high expectations that aren't well communicated or well, aren't well spoken, then you won't be happy because, because your, your expectations aren't met. And so having the realistic expectations for your job is how you get to a 10 out of 10. I'm, I'm glad you've been able to recognize that. Um, that's awesome. So um, before we get into your professional uh, life. Did you go to college? And tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a graduate of BYU, Brigham Young University. I got my undergrad there as well as my MBA there. Okay. And what was your undergrad degree in? My undergrad degree was in communications. So those are classes in advertising, public relations, journalism, writing, and spoken communication. So that's where I did my undergrad. Uh, I did not originally think I would ever go back and get a master's degree. That wasn't something I ever figured I would need. Uh, I'm not an academic at heart. But uh, a handful of years ago, 
BYU, my alma mater, reached out to me and asked if I was interested in teaching some digital advertising, digital marketing type of courses at the university. They wanted to get a program started up. So I agreed to go back and help them set up a program, write some curriculum and teach for a couple of years in exchange for being able to do that full time as well as concurrently take master's classes and get an MBA. Wow, that's quite the story. Awesome. So I want to jump into into maybe your first job and your second job. It sounds like you've had a lot of different jobs uh, doing advertising for different companies. Have those all been different jobs or was it kind of with one agency you helped advertise for Subaru and Mountain Dew and whoever else? Although a little bit different. I mean, we can really talk first jobs and I could talk about mowing lawns at Parks and Rec or being a cashier <laughs> at a magic shop. But uh, if we're talking like career level jobs, uh, I got started after college with a startup agency. So an, a little agency that wanted to get rolling in the digital marketing space. I came on there doing primarily social media and um, also dabbled in SEO, content marketing, et cetera. And I learned a bunch about how those different pieces worked. And as part of that, Facebook had just bought Instagram. This is going to date me a little bit. <laughs> but Facebook just bought Instagram. They wanted to monetize it, put ads on the platform. But they were super, super careful at first. And so if you wanted to advertise on Instagram, there used to be these, like, it wasn't quite a license. That's, but maybe for the layman, that's an easy phrase to think about it. It was basically like a, a special permission. But you can picture like a license to advertise. You had to agree to meet all these requirements. You had these 1080 by 1080 retina display level um, ads you had to put together that met a certain artistic quality, this whole thing. And so it was very, very tough to advertise on Instagram. And these had this really awful, awful interface. It was called Power Editor. It was kind of like a really janky spreadsheet you'd load things to and then load them to an Instagram API if you wanted to launch Instagram ads. So the sort of hard thing that no one did, and Instagram wasn't hugely adopted yet at the time, and I sort of thought somebody's going to get in on this space. Someone's going to figure out how to launch ads on here, how to sell products, and they're going to become a big deal. And so I wanted to be in on that. And so I became an early adopter in the paid Instagram ad space and got permissions from Instagram to put up advertisements there and, uh, and started working with some clients and, and putting up ads there. And that sort of took me from the, the true social media marketing or SEO side more into the paid space online, so paid media space. So I got into Instagram, then into Facebook. Uh, early adopter as a Snapchat advertiser, and then of course into the more traditional Google and YouTube type ads, and then moved into more traditional, so billboard, that sort of stuff. But it just sort of came from there. So I'd say I went from social to SEO and then into uh, paid media. And then I really started to to make my spot in the industry, my clients, my work there. And then eventually left that agency. Um, and then before joining up with BYU, did um, some, some full-time work on my own, just consulting with clients. That's when I worked with a lot of these really big clients, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then decided to go back get to school, get my MBA while teaching at the same time, and then switch to the uh, the nonprofit cause route. And that's where I am now. All right. Very interesting. I've got a lot of questions about those those initial jobs and your transition to BYU, but I do want to focus most of our time on your current position. So you work with, uh, sorry, one more time, the name of name of your company is? It's called Boncom. Like Boncom. B-O-N-C-O-M. Yep. And you've only been there three months or so. Yeah, but correct. The work that you do is very similar to what you've done in the past. And, and so, well, before we get into your job specifically, tell me a little bit about Boncom. How many people are there? You know, what, what, is, what is your company? What do they do? Yeah, so it's a company's about 100 employees. 
this year is actually the 50th anniversary, so it's been around since the 70s. Oh, wow. And it got started as a radio ad shop. So making radio ads and writing scripts for those, recording, that sort of thing. And then it's grown from there into TV commercials, billboards, that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a creative shop in that way. Um, all the, uh, the TV commercials interrupt what you watch. That's made by people like me. Um, ads you see on subways or even now that interrupt your free Spotify streams or anywhere else. That's the sort of stuff that, that we do at heart. And so to make an ad agency operate, you've got creative teams of so copywriters and art directors that are writing the messaging and then actually putting together visuals. Then you've got paid media teams who are in charge of actually buying the space. So calling up subways or TV stations or wherever else and buy or even negotiating contracts with Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, et cetera, and making space on those platforms to put those advertisements. You've got account management folks that are dealing with clients and budgets and that sort of stuff. And it's sort of on from there. And that's, that's the basis. There are about 100 employees uh, large who do that. But what makes Boncom exceptionally unique, and I was talking about this in the intro, is that Boncom only takes on cause-related marketing projects with their special focus on behavior change. So if, if en masse, we want someone to adopt uh, a different type of behavior, we want them to, to act in some sort of way that, that might make their lives better or make society better or something else, those are the projects we're looking at. So, for example, one of the, the large campaigns I work on is uh, suicide prevention. And so we work with private organizations and government grants uh, working in suicide prevention space. We want people to understand that life is worth living. Mm-hmm. And that is an incredibly different change in application of skills than, hey, here's a really cool car or, or something like that. Sure. And I think that's, that's really interesting work. And for me, that's the move I wanted to make. And that's why I say the Boncom sort of a dream spot for me because the clientele is is really really powerful and interesting to work with each day. Yeah, no, that's very noble, and I appreciate you saying that and having the heart to do that type of work. Um, so tell me a little bit about the the exchange of money in your business. How do clients find you? You know, who pays you, and then who you know who do you pay? How do you get the advertisements up on the on the commercial or on the billboard or on Facebook. I mean, I guess Facebook is a little more straightforward, but yeah. How does that flow all come together to make a, a commercial or a billboard uh, get in place? Yeah, this is, um, this is, is sort of fun. And I found teaching students and even talking to people at, you know, dinners, wherever you go, service-based industries aren't always understood. So I think it's a great question. Um, yeah. We are, we, the money is exchanged in basically a billable hours concept. So uh, clients contract us for a, a certain campaign. Hey, we want to talk to people in Texas or people in Utah or people in California, whatever about this thing. We don't want people in California to uh, shoot off fireworks and start fires, or we want uh, we want people in Virginia to visit the Smithsonian, right? Whatever these things are, how, how do we do that? And so what we do is we sit down and we come up with a campaign. Okay, here's this cool tagline. Here's this idea. Most of these clients you win by what's called an RFP, request for proposal where agencies all over the country will send in their best creative, most interesting ideas, and they shoot those over, and the client picks the, to the shop they think is the most creative or most interesting. Uh, by the way, I work at an agency. We often call them shops just from a vernacular standpoint. So they pick the shop they think is the most creative, most interesting, most engaging, whatever. You win that business. Then what you do is you start executing on that campaign. And each time anyone in your agency does an hour's work, we put that on an invoice and then bill that to the client with a markup on it. So for every hour we spend making a video or designing something or calling a billboard company, negotiating a space or working with a print shop or anything else, that's where the billing comes from. 
and that's where the, the money pays there. And then internally, we work much more as you'd expect on more of a salary type basis, which means sure. on the management level, a lot of what we do is sort of negotiating to ourselves. Okay, I know that I've got six employees working on this project and they're going to work, you know, 35 hours a week on it and I pay them X amount of dollars. Therefore, I've got to pay my, or I've got to charge my client this much in order to cover those expenses plus any hard costs and overhead that I accrue in the process. And so yeah. it's a little bit of, of how do you convert an hour's labor or an hour's time into a more dollar sense revenue concept that maybe a, a hard goods company would understand a little bit better. Yeah. That was a great overview of consulting in general. I also am a consultant. I'm a, I'm an environmental consultant and it's obviously the same principles that dominate how my industry runs. So that was a great overview. And, um, you know, you, you said something earlier, though. You said you spend a lot of time probably on these proposals, on these examples, on these ideas that um, that you have to pitch to these companies that are that are looking for the best bidder out there. Um, how much time is spent on on doing that, on on just trying to win the work? Is that quite oh, a bit of what you do, or is that just a small oh, so fraction much. of it? Yeah, so much. Yeah, so so it, a lot of agencies you have a new business team. Um, and then have people from different departments inside your agency who work in that new business team. I am the representative from my department. Um, I think new business pitching is really fun. It's sort of, as I said in, in the opener, I love sports. I love competition. That That's really fun to me. And so it's a little bit like a sport, like a game to me, right? Where we know the rules, the rules are, you've got to have the coolest idea, the best price, whatever. And so then getting to sit down with a group of extraordinarily creative individuals with a, a, an idea, a client an industry may know nothing about. And then say, hey, cool, let's pitch something awesome for this. What is the coolest possible application for X, Y, or Z? And then you put those together. So that that part for me is actually a lot of fun. I, I think it's really engaging, really interesting work. We're on a couple right now, uh, in fact. But on the flip side, from a business model standpoint, that's a tough way to get into it because none of that work is paid. There's no compensation for any of that work most of the time. And so it is a, a chunk of quote unquote donated hours. Um, that you have to hope you're not just giving away your best ideas for for no revenue at all, and so that that spot gets to be a little bit tough to play in. Yeah, but, absolutely. But that, so, that is how that works. So tell me about the the length of a given project or the budget of a given project. How much? How many people are working on a particular advertisement, or do you work on large, you know, multi-year, multi step advertising programs or how, how does it work do you just make one commercial for somebody and then you're done i assume not but tell me about that there are some companies that, that operate in that space we usually call them production houses um and then that can be a little more niche there's true advertisers here they're going to be like wow you sort of missed that uh, i'm trying to speak at sort of a general level but you do have production houses that basically contract out to produce individual creative materials so that might be one commercial, one set of billboards, one set of subway ads, something like that, and call it good. Um, the majority of agencies are operating differently. So at the lowest level, we're trying to sign on for a campaign. So whether that's three months, six months, whatever that is, um, we want to win a campaign, right? The, the agencies that win the Super Bowl uh, as their clients, they've got you know, a three to six month contract as they think of interesting ideas for the Super Bowl and win that contract through. Uh, you can get on to annual retainers, where you're being paid monthly for a year's worth of work. And at the absolute pinnacle of agency level, you get what's called AOR, which is agency of record. 
And that's basically where you lock into a long-term contract with a company where you basically become their consultant, an industry you're well familiar with. We become their marketing and advertising consultants. We almost embed ourselves in their business where every day we wake up, think about what we do. We reserve entire um, departments or members of our teams to think and work on those accounts and clients every single day. And that's sort of the highest echelon we can get to in the advertising space. So anywhere from individual production items all the way to agencies of record. Okay. And what does a typical budget look like for any one of those examples that you just laid out? So the budgets vary quite a bit by size of company, right? Most companies are going to reserve somewhere between, uh, you know, eight and 20 ish percent, maybe eight and 15% of their total gross revenue. And they'll spin that back to marketing. And so what we want to do is, is cut our chunk of that. Now, a lot of that is hard costs. So if you say, Hey, I want to, you know, put a million dollars this year into advertising. Um, a lot of that's going to be media buy. So we might look at that and say, okay, if you want to spend a million dollars online, what we're going to do is we'll charge a you know, 15% markup on that media spend. And that's what we're going to charge to create, make, and manage the media. So a million dollar budget would turn into you know, a, a 1.15 budget or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that's going to vary. So most companies are going to be in that 10, probably 15% range of gross rev that's going to turn into marketing budgets. And we just try to work right along the lines of that. And then depending on what size of shop you're at is the, is the minimum retainer levels that you'll take on. So at some of these smaller shops, we call them boutiques in our space. Those are going to be anywhere from five to 25 employees or something like that. Those folks are going to be looking at retainers anywhere from the 5K to maybe 15K a month. Um, somewhere in that range, so they're going to charge in labor costs to work on campaigns. You're going to get up to your slightly larger, which might be your 30 to 100 uh, people or more, right? Those those are going to look at, at larger numbers than that in order to maintain their own levels of revenue, all the way until you get to your enterprise level shops, which are talking, you know, hundreds of employees, and they may not take clients at less than 50 or 100k a month or something like that in order to justify their own expenses and, and number of personnel. So I'd say in the space, the budget to deal with is, is hard to nail down just perfectly because it has so much to do with the size of your shop and the size of the clients you're bringing on. But I can tell you that the budgets for a Disney feature film launch are significantly different than the budget for like a local car dealership. Those you start dealing with, uh, sure. with, with massive, massive differences in what we're spending and how we're looking at those projects. Yeah. So in my mind, I would assume that places like Facebook and Google and maybe even places like Mazda or, or you know, just really large companies, Walmart, have their own internal, you know, advertising and, and they, they wouldn't necessarily reach out to a consultant company like you guys to do their advertising for them. Is that roughly true? Or does pretty much every company out there do some some consulting for their advertising? I somebody listening to this will probably be uh, more sharp than me, and they'll be quick to jump in the comments that I'm wrong. But I'll say this: I cannot think of one of these large Fortune 100, Fortune 500, etc. type companies that don't keep an AOR, advertising agency of record, and that's. Uh, and we'll go down the line here. And that has a lot to do with creativity, right? When you are asking someone, hey, think of a creative, amazing idea, people run out of those. And so when you bring in a totally internal team to take care of these for you, what you find out is those people burn out at some point. There's only so many ways for somebody working for Harley Davidson can think of to advertise motorcycles before those people are just tapped out. So internally, what you've got then two options is to go contract someone to help you or to terminate that person and hire someone new. 
And most companies, of course, are not into the turnover game. So the idea is you hire an agency who can then rotate individuals, right? My agency's got 100 people in it. We can have four people come with creative ideas and keep rotating those four every you know three or four months for years. And there's always somebody new thinking of a brand new concept that hasn't been thought of before from a different angle or different experience or different whatever. And so all of these companies out here are hiring these agencies to simply be that. Now, from a strict marketing standpoint, price promotional strategy, that sort of thing, those are in-house teams. The advertising side has much more to do with campaign level thinking or um, new messaging ideas, concepts like that. And that gets outsourced. I dare say it's got to be close to 100% of the time hmm. because we need new ideas into the marketplace in order to to stay on top for these companies, right? Some of those companies you just named, I can probably even tell you who their agencies are, right? These are these are companies that, that everyday work. I mean, right, if we're talking cars, we're talking like, you know, Hyundai, Kia, they work with InOcean, an agency down in LA that does all of their work for them. Walmart's working with Publicist Group. There's just these, these agencies that are huge contracts. They're happy to have them, but it just keeps all of what you do um, brand new to the market and keeping those, those brains on it is an important part yeah. of what's happening. Okay. So I have a, I have an example like Geico, right? Geico insurance. They, they've, they've had these really popular advertising campaigns, I guess, with, with the gecko for a while, they did the cavemen thing. They had a set of commercials with the cavemen. They've got, you know, a bunch of commercials with the, the lizard, the gecko. Is that, is that all done by, do you think, in your opinion, do you think that's all done by one agency that they're, you know, one consulting company that they're working with? Or uh, is that is that gone through the hands of many different companies and they just keep using that theme? Great question. So the Martin agency is Geico's agency, has been for as long as I've been in this industry. Um, and the, so, yes, I'll say primarily it comes from one agency. Now, what does happen is sometimes money gets pushed down the line. So, for example... The Martin agency, and I don't know this for factual with Martin themselves, so so let's let's put that as the caveat. That would not surprise me if they operated this way. But Martin agency might say, okay, Geico's our client. We have X amount of millions of dollars that come in um, in our retainer with them. We have to create these new commercial concepts that go out every single year. So what we're going to do is we're going to put out basically like a second RFP. It's not quite that formal. But they're going to go out and contract 10 other agencies and say to those agencies, okay, we want your best ideas. Then those agencies will pitch the Martin agency, who will then take the best idea from there. They'll actually produce that and then pass it back up the line to Geico. So in Geico's sense, it works fine because they don't have to worry about it as long as new ideas are coming through. But that money is being paid high enough that it can get split and pushed down the line. A lot of companies who have the AOR, so agencies of record, have such high retainers with them that those agencies can then contract lots of smaller boutique shops on shorter contracts so they can keep tapping new brains and new ideas down the line. But those do kick up through those AORs. Okay. Yeah, it's just hiring subcontractors within within the industry. And I do a lot yeah. of that myself. So yeah, sorry. it's a lot of sense it, for me. Yeah. It's it's good to think layman side. Yeah. It's basically a general contractor yeah. who's then subcontracting at individual tasks. But as the client, you're just working with that main general contractor. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. All right. Well that that's a pretty good overview of, you know, your company and the industry that you're in. I wanna Talk specifically about you and your job and what you do when you go into the office. So did you did you mention earlier that you are kind of on the proposal side of things? Like you're you're the brand new, okay, we've got a we've got a company interested. Let's come up with some ideas. Are you that man? 
Yeah, one of them. There's a there's a small team of us. Our agency has a five person team who's in charge of that. Um, I, I my day jobs, the majority of my my forty hours a week are overseeing um, online content teams. So that's social media, that's influencer, that's content marketing, that's SEO. And so my job is to make sure the employees who are doing that every day have uh, the time first they needed so we can make get them paid and then make sure the quality of work is high, the idea is high, the training, that sort of stuff. And so that's that's the majority of my day. And then I work on the new business team. So when uh, companies reach out to us or organizations and say, hey, if we're interested in working with you, send us your best ideas, I get to sit on the team who ideates through and thinks through that as well. And of those two kind of positions, which one do you enjoy more? Um, I probably enjoy the new business side the very most. And that's because what attracted me to this industry in the first place is the ability just to think creatively. I just love thinking about random ideas, right? I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I was pitching for uh, for Zillow one time, and we were just like, hey, come up with your best idea. And so we thought all the things, okay, what about houses? What about this? What about that? Who's the audience? And so you start brainstorming, which is really fun. You, you sit there, eat a bowl of Lucky Charms, and put all these ideas and these whiteboards all around you. And then we eventually landed on this idea of, okay, what if we have a kid come in with a crayon, we put a camera above them, and just have them tell us, like, draw, like, the coolest house you can think of. And these kids pretty soon, they're, they're putting pools in, they're putting slides in, and they're putting dog areas in. And the coolest stuff these kids can think of, and they draw them all with this crayon. And then what we can do is we can take that, search through the Zillow database, and then superimpose a house onto that that actually exists on Zillow. And we'll call this kids' dream houses. So you have a dream house in mind since you were a child? Guess what? You can find it on Zillow. Right, that's cool. That's a cool idea. It's super fun, super creative to think of. And what's fun is getting to think, think through that. The whole world is up to us. And then you get to fly out and go pitch that to the client. And you get to watch this idea that you guys just had on a whiteboard and thought through. And then you present it and you watch these folks who work there, in this case Zillow, all day, every day. Hear something they've never thought of before or hear something they think represents their brand. You watch them light up. You watch them want to be part of that. And that's fun. That, that's really, really fun for me. And that that's the piece I think that you get excited about it. It's a small part of my day. Um, you can't spend all day doing money, things that don't pay. Remember, you don't get paid to do these RFPs and new business concepts. So you have to work all day to, to bill out. But the idea that you just get to think like, hey, if I hired you tomorrow, Michael, to run a brand new campaign for Sunny Delight, how would you do that? How would you sell Sunny Delight? <laughs> and that, that's fun. You just get to sit there and think, wow, I don't even think about Sunny Delight. I haven't had it since I was 12. What's interesting about Sunny Delight? And all of a sudden, your brain just starts rolling. And that piece is fun because a client walks in the door. It's a brand you don't think about every day. And all of a sudden, you're thinking about that brand and everything you care about that brand, everything everybody else thinks about that brand. And that's fun. I, I really enjoy that part of my job. Yeah, that is fun. It's it, it's really interesting to think about. So how long, how long does it take you to kind of formulate an idea and get back with a client? Are you under pretty strict deadlines, timeframes? Do you have two weeks, you know, a month, three months to, to put an idea together and to go pitch it? Or, you know, how many hours are you putting on these on these ideas? And also, how developed are your ideas? Are, are you, you know, do you have all these graphics people actually drafting up, you know, commercials or ads? Or is it, you know, pen on paper sort of ideas that you're pitching? The majority of uh, proposals I've worked through in my time are somewhere between two and four weeks from uh, the, what they call the call for RFP. So the initial invitation to say, hey, are you interested? And you send back and say, yes, I am interested in being part of this process. And then somewhere between two and four weeks, this is typically what you get to present an idea. And then once you present your ideas, which are more in the form of like a slide deck, 
Um, you okay. do do you do some mockups, so our art directors will come through and, and mark a few mock a few things up. Though it's it's pretty low key. Sometimes it's just mood board type stuff or stolen stock footage from somewhere, right? Just a sort of general ideas, and you'll put those through. And then if you pass that stage uh, and get to a final two or three in an RFP stage, then you start to put additional time into additional creative mockups. And that's typically then a, a formal presentation, whether electronic or in person, that you'll make to a client. But start to finish, that entire thing will wrap up in like less than two months most of the time. Three might be pushing it. The only exceptions for that will be really, really large companies who are changing AORs. So if uh, you know, if, if Apple, heaven forbid, ever changed from their AOR, which is a company called Mal down in LA. That could be a six-month to twelve-month process. Who knows? Because they're basically moving this massive, massive, multi-million-dollar contract to a new company that now has to know Apple's business as well as or better than Apple knows them. So that would be an extraordinarily long process. Most of the time, for these, they're campaign-based, so you win these contracts for three, six, twelve months at a time, and those ones are going to wrap up in less than less than ten weeks most of the time. Okay. Well, yeah, that is a very exciting part of the job. And I could see how, you know, especially with it being so quick, um, you've got a lot of turnaround. You've got you've to come up with an idea, get it down, and then you're moving on to the next one pretty quickly. So how often are you guys accepting or, or I guess, pitching your ideas um, when there's a call for, call for, what is it called? RFPs or RFPs? No, RFP. Request for proposal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they come across our new business desk, probably at least weekly. Um, that has to do simply with how well-known or not well-known you are, right? The more well-known you are, uh, the more often you'll see these, the less well-known you are, the less you'll see them. Um, sometimes you have to hire salespeople or business development people that'll actually start calling and asking for work. Uh, in our case, we're, we're fairly well-known in the space. And so we'll get, you know, probably one a week or so that'll come through. But part of my job with the team is to decide if the RFP that comes through, if it's a good fit for our team if we think we would be successful at it and if it matches our brand, because you can advertise anything in the whole world. Sure. But especially with bond comp, but this is true of most agencies, you want to have some sort of specialization or something you're known for, right? You want to have a brand inside of the brands that you work for. We want to work on cause related projects. So if you know, Dan and yogurt called us and said, Hey, we want you to help us sell Dan and yogurt. We'd probably turn that down. But if Dan and yogurt called us and said, Hey, we do every October, we do, um, tops for or yogurt tops or lids, sorry, for like breast cancer awareness or something like that, that might be far more interesting to us. And, and so sort of measuring what the client is, what their outcome is, is a big part of that. But then also looking at, okay, what work have we done before? What sorts of things does this company feel like and do? And then we go to our teams, especially your creative team, that's sort of the heart of all of this. And you say, is this something we feel like we can be successful in? Because if we're about to throw 60 to 200 unpaid hours at this, then I need to know that if we that we could definitely win this, we could be profitable if we win this. And that's a big a big part of the game too. And that might be something the consultants understand really well is, is sort of evaluating projects objectively and deciding whether or not you should take them on. All right. All right. I think that answers most of my questions there. That was very helpful. Um, and that is exciting. And that's again, I'll I'll keep referring to this, but it is very noble that your company is looking for cause related you know, your company's brand, you know, is hidden inside of all the advertisements you do for other brands. But, um, you know, it it is 
very nice to hear that your company is is focused on cause related advertising and and you know doing some good as you mentioned earlier for the world by advertising advertising for something that you you deem as noble and valuable so that's really cool that you have your own brand within a brand making company so i like that so you said the other half of your job was you know outside of ideas you know creating ideas and working on proposals the other half of your job is more or less managing a team. Um, if you don't mind jumping into some of those details, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, sure. So I say I oversee uh, a few different disciplines inside the agency. Um, that's more of a director level sort of concept where I've got managers who are under me and so on and so forth. And a lot of that is making sure the work gets done. So, so typically in an agency, an account manager or someone on our accounts team will deal directly with the client. And they'll work through a scope of work or something else that says we need to do X type of, of deliverables. And they'll turn the ones that belong to me over to me in a scope of work. So I'll see those and say, okay, this client wants to run a social media campaign or they want to run an SEO focus campaign or a content marketing campaign, something like that. Those ones fall under my uh, jurisdiction. So I'll take those and then I assign those out to members of my team who will be in charge of those projects. And then my job is to sit through and make sure those, those projects get done on time. Obviously I do the, the most difficult parts of those projects for them, as well as QA all the work that comes from their desks. So then make sure when it's all done and I turn it back over to the accounts team, it has been, it's gone through multiple sets of eyes on my side, meets all the fulfillments of the scope. And it's something that we're proud of because we wanna make sure this is truly creative, truly interesting and moves the needle on the project that we're working on. And I bet probably 80 to 90% of my day is doing that each day. Wow, 80 to 90%. That's a lot of content you guys must be producing. I mean, yeah, really. that's, that's so much. That's so much of what we do is how, producing that stuff or, or buying the space for it. How many different projects or campaigns are you working on on a, uh, you know, in a single day or in a single week? Is it is it just one project day in and day out, week in and week out, or are you bouncing between six, seven, eight projects every week that you're trying to get out to the client, to, you know, by the deadline? Listen, anybody who um, who has ADD is welcome into an agency space. These are the sorts of folks, just like me, that we want as part of it because you want people who want to switch things. If you want to work on the same project all day, every day then uh, go work in-house somewhere. That's, sort of, that's the vernacular we use is in-house work for a corporation. We love the idea of changing around. My team right now, we work on, I think, six different accounts. The agency carries more than that, but they're divided amongst different teams. But my team's on, I think, six different accounts. And so any given day, we will probably touch five or even all six of those accounts. Um, and for sure, um, every week you've definitely worked on all of them and that that's part of what makes it fun is switching gears so okay i'm gonna start my day working on this account and then by 10 i'm gonna switch to this one by lunch i'm switching to this one then we go to this one and that to us keeps our creative uh, brains going it keeps the engine rolling to think like okay i'm tapped out of ideas for this concept but i've got way more for this one too and so we're rotating between those keeps us engaged in our jobs you know i I really, that, that hits home with me because I, as well, I'm a consultant. I work on many different projects uh, in Louisiana primarily. And there are times when, you know, I have a timesheet to, to build with my clients. And there are times when I have six, yeah, six, seven different projects I've worked on in a single day. And sometimes it's very overwhelming trying to bounce between the two or the six. But at the same time, 
I totally get with you. I, I get what you're saying. Sometimes you're just burnt out of a project. You're, you're kind of at a roadblock. You need to just take a break, but you still want to do something productive. So you bounce onto another project, you get some things done, and then you're ready to, to come back, you know, after you've, you've, you know, been able to transition and still be productive for a while. So I can definitely see how that works in your industry, especially, you know, because you're, you're dependent upon being creative. And sometimes, your creativity for a particular project or campaign might just be stunted. You might just be at a roadblock for a time and you need to open your eyes to some new ideas and give yourself some time to think. Uh, so that absolutely makes sense to me. And I'm glad, I'm glad you have that option of, 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 you know, having a lot of different projects happen at one time and you're able to, uh, you know, just work on what makes sense for you in that particular moment. Uh, so you can, you know, produce your best work for that client. So the duration of your campaigns, you generally like to keep contracts for as long as possible, I would imagine. Is that is that right? Yeah. As I said, the top level of anything you can do is become the agency of record. That tends to be a multi-year uh, agreement that says, listen, all and everything that comes from your client or your company that needs advertising comes through us. And that's obviously the, the most lucrative and stable thing an agency can have. Yeah, um, you can get all the way down, but but the idea is is I think for us, we don't sign anything less than quarterly. So at least three months is the minimum. Now every agency will be a little bit different. We need that sort of stability because it takes us so long to onboard a client, to get our creative teams up to speed, to find out media package deals, to work with influencers, whatever it is. We need at least some time to produce something and see the results from it. Yeah. And that, that kind of leads into my next question, which is um, how many different platforms are you advertising on? And is that all based on the particular client? Does it vary quite a bit or is it, are you specifically focused on, you know, online advertising or do you also do, you know, commercials? Do you, do you have cameras up or, you know, what are all the different forms of advertising that you, that you promote? Uh, the quick answer to that question is Yes. Yes, right. so many. Yes to everything you just mentioned. Um, clients sometimes have a preference. Most of the time, that's our job. We have an entire strategy department, and then the heads of each of our um, each of our disciplines also work as strategists in their own way, where we get together and we have to figure out for this client, for what they want to accomplish, what's the best way to do that. The strategy department works a little bit like a research team. Their job is to figure the ins and outs of an audience and a message. So what can we do that will affect this audience and the way we want them to be affected? And who's that right audience in the first place? Once we have that, we do what's called a creative brief, where we put together, and okay, here's the audience, here's the target, creative team, start thinking on this. And then it comes over to media strategy or uh, online content strategy where I am. And then we say, okay, now that we know this, where should we be? Where does that audience live? And how can we create this message that will touch them in, in, a, in a powerful and meaningful way? And so then it's then it, it's all platforms open. Do we need to be in transit advertising, which is buses and subways? Um, do we need to be out of home, which is more like your billboard concepts? Do we need to be in uh, TV commercial, radio land, or music streaming? Do we need to be in digital, so on YouTube or Facebook or Snapchat? And even then, those are all primarily and fundamentally different on different audiences. And so our job is to figure out where all those should be placed. And I don't know if I could give you an accurate number as to right now how many platforms our ads are running on. But I'll say this, if you can think of the platform and you've seen an ad on it, we probably are on that platform. Um, we've got a very large, very talented media team 
whose goal it is to figure out pricing and effectiveness of every type of channel you can think of, whether it's live streaming an ad while someone's streaming video games on Twitch, whether it's interrupting somebody's Hulu watching session, or whether it's taking advantage of the, the back of a headrest in a taxi cab in New York. These are all places that we are regularly with our different client messaging because we want to bring, we want to bring the, the best message to the best person in the best time. And that's our goal. Okay. So again, I got a lot of questions on that. So I assume let's just talk about um, maybe any video advertising, which could be, you know, YouTube, Hulu, or it could be a commercial. Do you guys run your own cameras? Do you have, do you hire out actors? Do you make all of that happen? Or is that subcontracted out from you guys? Uh, it's primarily through us. <clears throat> so we've got wow. access to a studio cameras, all of that. However, the larger that something becomes, or if something goes international, you often look to, to subcontract out some pieces of that. So let's say you're shooting in Mexico, we might say, okay, we want to send a creative director or someone at the top level who understands the brief and understands the script, understands what needs to be done, but might hire a local crew to help us shoot that because that keeps the cost down. Keep in mind that all costs are eventually passed on to a client. So it's not about saving costs for us, it's about saving costs for those people we work with. Yeah. And we, we want to save for them. Um, same thing when it comes to a large-scale production. If we say, wow, we need a crane to shoot this particular shot. Uh, we don't keep a crane in the basement of our agencies. So we might have to subcontract out either people with the cranes, uh, a production house who typically has that sort of stuff, or whether we just want to, to rent or whatever it is. But um, I, I will say that the majority of that happens in-house. We've got almost i think almost half of our agency is dedicated to or dedicated creative team members so videographers animators motion graphic artists copywriters uh post-production editors those sorts of things um and that that's sort of the heart and soul of our industry and who we are we only need to subcontract on the largest productions or when something just from a cost standpoint doesn't make sense which ones can might be flying a 20 person crew from salt lake city to you know pakistan that might make a little less sense right and i assume you know with a billboard same thing right you obviously produce a billboard you you, you produce the file and you know you, you've got to get it printed somehow and somebody's got to get up there with a crane or a ladder or whatever and actually tape it up or, or glue it up whatever they do that's that's not your guys up there putting a billboard up physically that's correct. Yep. We're the creative shop. So we want to yep. make sure that the ad is created the way you want to be created as well as we'll buy the actual space and determine the airtime or the runtime of that. So right. what data, blah, blah, blah. But then we will contract that out to a billboard company who, who will actually then subcontract out a second time to installers. But yeah. And then we've of course got print shops we use all the time, but we are not an in-house print shop. Okay, so have you, this is just a, a personal question, have you actually ever been inside of a commercial or video ad of some sort? Has that ever been part of your responsibility to just step in, be a, be a, a person uh, in a commercial, or is that? Yes, um, okay. I'm actually on the, I'm on a package of a product you can buy at uh, Lowe's and Home Depot. Um, I wasn't supposed to be. We had an actor who was supposed to show up and the actor was running a little bit late, so we showed up early with the with the, the photography, the crew, and everything. And it's a special doorbell you can install. And so um, I was uh, 
I was there assisting on the shoot. I wasn't the director on this one. And I was putting up and like basically posing. We're making sure the light looks good and sizing looks good and all that sort of stuff. And then eventually our actor showed up. And then when it went to a post, the uh, post folks decided that they liked the shots they took with me better than with the model or the actor. <laughs> and uh, and so they they shipped it out. And so next thing you know, um, I'm on like tens of thousands of products on shelves at Lowe's and Home Depot around the country, which was sort of unexpected, but uh, oh, yeah, fine. that happens. I've been extra in a couple of random commercials. You probably wouldn't see most of the time. Um, sure. It's not common. I'm typically behind the camera, but yeah, every once in a while you'll be shooting like a theater shot, for example, and you want it to look full. And so you grab like your sound guy and your light guy and a couple other folks and you could throw them in the back of the theater seats. And so you sort of see silhouettes or whatever. And that's a little more common, but right. But yeah, yeah those, but are, those kinda, are paid models who look better than I do on camera. That's that's supposed to be their job. Well, that just kind of illustrates a picture to me about what what your job actually looks like. And you are there, you know, filming commercials. I mean, you have many hats at your company. You you know, not only are you a film producer, but you're also a, you know an SEO optimization guy, and you know, advertising just just goes into many different realms and is in many different platforms. And so it's oh, kind of totally. fun fun to see that you know you're involved in so many different spaces oh man um, i i forgot michael there's another one too uh, a product that makes memory books kind of like shutterfly called oh, yeah, uh, yeah. called Kamemo. and we were shooting there once and we had a scene where a doctor is supposed to walk in and our doctor didn't show up so i put on the lab coat and shot the scene so yeah i forgot there's actually a second one that, that's like clearly me so yeah you're exactly right it's a many hats thing and and it was, well, that was funny to be in the commercial later. The, the truth is, is it's anecdotally illustrates what this industry is, which is goal focused, not task focused, right? The goal is to produce this commercial that helps a client sell a product or, or send a message or change behavior, whatever that goal is. And our job is to make that happen. So when you're on a shoot, you've got expensive cameras set up everywhere and a set rented, right? We're like in a hospital room, which you can only use for a certain amount of time. And we've got you know, an actor in a bed and we've got flowers and decor everywhere. And all of a sudden your actor doesn't show up. What do you do? Well, our task wasn't to sit behind a camera and film an actor. Our task was to film a commercial. So next thing you know, we're rock, paper, scissors around to figure out who's got to play the doctor on TV and, and off you go. And that's sort of, uh, it's stressful at the moment, but it's fun. Those are the stories that, that make the career really interesting and really dynamic. That is fun. And that, yeah, yeah, that's pretty exciting to, to, to be involved in, in content that closely. Um, so I have, I have one other question before we kind of start to wrap things up. And that is, what are, what are the, the most expensive, maybe to the most inexpensive forms of advertising? And, you know, obviously you've got to make these decisions based on your client's budget and what their goals are and what their target audience is. But generally speaking, uh, I would assume that, you know, Facebook ads or online advertising on blogs or, or, or whatever, all of that is probably the one of the cheapest forms of advertising. Um, but, and then I would assume any sort of video work is the most expensive form, but, but tell me a little bit about those costs, if you don't mind. Yeah. So you've got hard, hard costs or production costs. So what it actually costs you to make something. And in that case, video tends to be the premium level of that um, animation can can step up there or uh, if you need to like 
design something experiential. So you want to mm. produce something in augmented reality or something like that. Those those can be the, the more premium end. The lower end is definitely uh, text or image-based stuff. So a lot of the banner ads you see around or on Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, those tend to be cheaper. Uh, in a lot of cases, though, it, it's the placement. So the actual purchase of where the ad flies, that tends to be the killer. Um, most expensive ad I've ever put together uh, was a billboard in Times Square. We put together a snap to unlock lens for Sony Pictures for a Spider-Man movie they were advertising. So you could basically point your your phone up. There was a Snapchat symbol on a billboard in Times Square. When you, when you took a Snapchat photo of it, it would unlock an exclusive trailer right on your phone, which is really cool. It was months of work. One of the coolest projects I've been involved in. Like To go to New York and to see a billboard, I know they're everywhere. When you think of Times Square, you're like, man, I hate that place. It's so bright. But as an advertiser, you walk in there and there's this massive screen. You're like, hey, I made that. Like, we, we made that happen. That's so cool. And you watch the functionality and whatnot go forward. But I'll tell you, that is expensive. Those are expensive, expensive buys. Those can be in the five and six figures to put up and in the seven figures if you want it to fly for any reasonable amount of time. So you want it up there you know, for a month or whatever. And that is, uh, I think that's where you can really, really run costs because the programming and design of the ad, you know, you're talking 20 to $40,000, but, but flying the media space can be way, way more. Well, that's a pretty good overview of your job. Uh, I'd like to hear about your plans for the future, maybe the next five or 10 years. And also I'd like to hear about where the industry is going, what the future of advertising looks like, looks like through your lens. Yeah. Um, five to 10 years for me are a uh, great question. Um, I would have told you just a few months ago, it was to break into nonprofit and cause related space, which of course I've now done, uh, which has been really, really a huge blessing for me uh, down the road. Um, not sure. I, I'm always open to opportunity, but as it stands, I really like what I'm doing. Um, and I really hope we can, we can grow this. In fact, I told, uh, the VP of agency ops who, who I report to, I told him that my like five-year plan here was to open up another office of our current agency in another state so we can open up new business, new opportunity and, and grow again. And that's because I like the, the company, the organization, the brand I'm working for. And a bit of that is probably something where I can count my blessings and feel very lucky in that um, it's a company I specifically targeted. A lot of times we apply for jobs or take what's available and, and sort of are happy with that. Um, I've been very blessed in my career to have, have gotten to a point where a lot of times um, I, I've got a lot of doors open to me. And this is a case of that where uh, I had reached out to them and had a conversation and they then reached back out to me and decided that this is, this is where I want it to be. And so here for the foreseeable future is where I see myself. That's great. That's great. Um, as far as the, the industry itself, um, I got asked this actually just recently at another, another interview I did. And I, I, content marketing is where I see the immediate future. Um, we have this, this idea in advertising, right, that, that our whole goal is just to put messaging in places where eyeballs already are. So how do you, that's why bus ads and, and ads in bathrooms and stuff like that have been around so long. And commercials get tougher because people are starting to pay money not to see my work in front of them, uh, which yep. is you know, slightly offensive. But uh, <laughs> you know, what, what do we do with these ads? And the idea is that, that people are in a space now where they want to engage with things. And this is right. The current model is we, we stare at our phones and scroll all day. 
But the way that advertising works is when we get you sucked into what we're doing. So I'll give you a quick example. Um, uh, I, I don't know where where you or the audience is. Well, I guess I know where you are, but I don't know where the audience is as far as like you know dating apps and people use those. But Tinder a while back with their agency, 72 and Sunny. Um, but by the way, I like to give agency names a lot just to give credit to the people behind the, the projects. Sure. Right? Because most, most laymen have no, no idea the hard work that goes into these. Uh, they put together this really incredible concept called Tinder Swipe Nights. And the idea was, if you want people using Tinder more and becoming part of, of Tinder's brand and what Tinder's all for, and what it's swiping, right? How do, you, how do you do that? You can put up another billboard, put up another TV commercial, ask people to use the app. But they come up with this really unique advertising concept called Swipe Nights, where they basically filmed an entire choose-your-own-adventure TV show where you'd open the app and you'd start watching the show, then all of a sudden it would freeze as you were like watching this thing happen. And it was like, oh no, there's a, a dog that's about to get hit by a car or a person that's about to get beat up. Who do you help? And you would swipe with one way or the other to, to which which thing, you, which action you would take. You'd go through all these adventures to do that. And then at the end of it, it would match you with people in your area who also made the same decisions. So mm. all of a sudden you've got, it's basically just an advertisement. Come use Tinder, come swipe and get matched with somebody. But you created this in such a unique, interesting, and engaging way that you have millions of people who are now downloading the app just to play this game that, in essence, is just an advertisement. And that's where I think the future of this industry is going, is, is engaging marketing. It's experiential in real life. So how can you create an experience that we want to be a part of? And then in the digital space, it's content. Uh, this podcast is an example, right? This is something you're probably giving away for free. And the hope is, is that we draw people in because they want to to be a part of it. And then in the process of drawing people in, you can tell them any other messaging that you want, right? I've used this as an advertisement for Boncom or for anything else we've done because we're giving people content that they want. And I think that's where the industry is going, is creating things that instead of paying money to avoid them like commercials, we're voluntarily giving our time because it's giving us something of value in what we're doing. Oh, I like that. And that's, again, I don't know anything about advertising, so this is all new to me. But that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I'm I'm the type of guy that's like, you know, I don't click on any ads. I never do. Yeah, some of them may, you know, be relevant for me, but I just, I'm just that guy, right? I'm the guy that... It's trying to put me out of business. I get it. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Uh, more More like the guy that yeah, people waste money on to target me on social media or things like that. I don't ever click on anything. I'm cheap. I'm cheap. I don't, you know, that's just my personality. Um, but something like that where it's more interactive and it's fun and it and it gives me something in return, that sort of advertising would work better on me personally. And I have yet to to come up with a good example of what that looks like for me. But, but that is real neat. And I think that is, um, you know, yeah, I... I, I I agree with you. I, that sounds like the future of advertising to me. So what would it take for somebody, you know, young and hungry to get into this career space? What would you recommend for them and what type of personality traits would they uh, likely have? I had this, listen, I had this huge opportunity, right, to teach at the university level for a few years uh, while I did my master's. And dealing with the students is one of my most favorite things. If you're a student out there, you're in my love group of people I just think are awesome. And if you, if you want to break into this, sure, there's some specific um, majors you could take, right? Getting into communications or into writing or design or videography. Those, those things will, would help you give you a leg up. But the truth is we need all sorts of people in this industry. Every account manager is somebody who's an extraordinarily good like um, communicator and a nice person. 
well organized. We have analytics folks who are just data scientists at heart. We've got obviously the artists and art director folks. We've got our English majors who make their way as copywriters. And then we've got other folks who are working in media where there's in every university almost no way to even learn that. So, so I'd say if you really, really, if you're young and a freshman and you're trying to find something like great, pick an advertising focused major. But if you're just young, find a find an ad agency near you and, and jump on with them. We take people of all skills and apply them. And I would highly, highly recommend the agency route, especially for young career. And that's because in an agency, you are going to rub shoulders and work directly with five, six, seven different departments of people who all do things that you probably never even knew existed before. And in that process, you can find something you love, right? I had a student that I taught who thought, oh, I kind of like this research thing. And, and he got into research at, um, at Methods and Mastery, which is a big uh, agency out in San Francisco. And he worked there for just a couple of years, but in that process, he was working with clients and he's working with uh, project managers on those client sides. People who were basically paid to maintain the agency contracts and the work that was coming and the deadlines, that sort of thing. And he thought, wait a minute, that's the job I like. I like giving presentations, I like talking to people, I'm pretty organized. This research thing is a lot of time alone in a, in a room with a computer and I'm less interested in that. So after a couple of years of understanding what that was and getting better, he jumped over to corporate and now he's a project manager at Taco Bell, which I think is amazing. Uh, I talk about corporate there in LA. And that is the sort of stuff that I think is what opens doors. So get a job at an agency where you're just going to meet so many people. You might fall in love with the job you got, or you might fall in love with the job of your coworker. And that is such an acceptable way of finding a career path that will really be something engaging and fun for you. All right. I like it. That's very sound advice. And it's it's very real because it comes from a university professor um, that you were for, for a time being. So thanks for sharing that. Adam, if somebody were interested in talking with you more um, specifically or had questions for you specifically, um, how would they be able to reach out to you best? I used to use the Kim Possible advice, the call me, tweet me if you want to reach me, mm, um, which is I a like great it. public way. Thank you. It's a great public way to, to hit me up. Uh, you can drop it in the show notes if you want. I'm just at Adam Durfee on all social media. Um, no special symbols or signs or anything. Awesome. Welcome to find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Uh, those are going to be the best ways. Um, my email hits, you know, like anybody you've emailed or, or talked with at a director level, 50, 60, whatever emails come through a day. It's not a great way to talk to me. So yeah. Yeah, hit me up on social if you want to open a conversation. We can schedule a call. I, I love talking with people. Listen, this really is um, the, the greatest industry in the world, I think. It is so much fun to tell a story that, and to realize that, hey, my goal every day is to tell somebody something they didn't know about before. And I think that's fun. I think that's really, really fun. Well, your passion definitely comes through, and uh, I'm glad that you have that passion. It's awesome to hear, and I, I, I like that you like your job so much. This has been really fun. So thanks for your time, Adam. Hey, and thanks right back. It's, uh, it's good to have a conversation and uh, someone willing to listen. All right. Take care. Take care.